You are listening to Kilometer Zero by the Cycling Podcast, powered by Super Sapiens, energy management for committed athletes and coaches. Ever since early in his career, there has been an image of Fabio Aru that has often flickered in my mind's eye, while seeming at odds with what Aru has, or perhaps the operative tenses now had, become. Aru painted the picture for me himself a few years ago. In it, he's sitting in the departure lounge of Bergamo's Oriol Serio airport, waiting for his flight back to Sardinia, as per his erstwhile weekly routine. He has a tinfoil tray containing his pasta supper in one hand, a plastic fork in the other. He's physically exhausted from the weekend races and weary mentally when he remembers that tomorrow morning he'll be in the classroom back in Villa Cidro, reciting verb tables or doing algebra. But he's also happy in that way only youth and its limitless potential affords. He's 17 and a life of more adventure, travel, sacrifice, unimaginable financial and emotional rewards, but also soul-destroying costs, is only just beginning. 14 years on, that journey, that life is now about to end, and Aru is happy again, though this time also conscious of why. His announcement just before the Vuelta that this would be his final race as a professional came out of the blue, only in the sense that he is just 30 years old, hadn't talked publicly about imminent retirement before, and is also curiously currently enjoying his best form for several years. But those who know Aru were also familiar with the context and therefore the logic of the decision. After a Vuelta victory and two Giro podium finishes before his 26th birthday, Aru's career had become a curious diminuendo. He wore the yellow jersey at the 2017 Tour and did go on to finish fifth in that race. But an infamously lucrative move to UAE Team Emirates at the end of that season heralded what has turned out to be an inexorable spiral, recent results notwithstanding. Surgery on a constricted iliac artery in 2019 was supposed to reverse the trend. But in fact, Aru reached an adir of sorts at the 2020 Tour de France. He pulled out of that race in the Pyrenees, visibly frustrated and upset, and in fact reeling from a family bereavement. But Beppi Saroni, who had signed him for UAE, still aired his disappointment with what he called Aru's weak mentality live on Italian television the following day. His UAE nightmare over, Aru signed with a team constrained by its budget to shop for underdogs and could-be revenants, Quebec and Next Hash. He returned to his roots as a cyclist, the very grassroots of Italian cycling. The former 2.5 million euro a year man, at least that's what the report said, competing for and winning 30 euro prize purses in lowly cyclocross races at the beginning of this year. He sounded and said he was reborn but not to the extent where a different reality, one more easily dedicated to his wife and small child, didn't exert a greater pull. At the Dauphiné in June, he already seemed unrecognisable, as though a weight had already been lifted, leading me to speculate now whether the decision had already been taken then. Last week, on the morning of stage 3 of the Vuelta to Picon Blanco, 
Aru's mood and demeanor seemed even lighter. I must say I felt a lot of different emotions at the start of this Vuelta. They started to flow when I informed my team and my teammates of the decision. That was very emotional and I did shed a few tears, but I think that's also probably normal. That was one of the most emotional moments for sure. But since then, I've also had a lot of nice messages from the other riders in the bunch, and that's been really nice. I think there are obviously a lot of guys who find it tough, who feel all the stress the job now entails piling up. But I don't want to put my decision down to that. Those pressures come with the job, and they exist in all sports, so you have to learn to live with them. Mine was more of a lifestyle choice after doing this for many years. I need to spend more time with my family and close this chapter that's given me so much over the years. So I'm happy to be leaving and I'm also looking forward to doing more riding. My bike's definitely not going to gather dust in the garage, but I'm also going to start a new phase in my life. I don't know if the relief, also kind of physical relief, is what's making me ride well at the moment. I've certainly started feeling pretty good on the bike in the last month. Now I just want to give my all here because I've got back to the level that I know is mine and which was always mine. These last three years accepted. I really want to go out riding well, not the way I've been riding for these last three years. Aru has thus far resisted all efforts to interpret his retirement as a sign of ever more burdensome times for professional cyclists. But evidence of that continues to accumulate in not only words but actions, specifically riders retiring or, in Tom Dumoulin's case, pausing for reflection long before the onset of irretrievable physical decay. Before Aru, there was Marcel Kittel and Peter Kenyuk, and soon there will also be TJ Van Garderen. Meanwhile, emboldened by the feats of star boys like Tade Pogacar, Remco Evenepoel et al., elite teams are recruiting riders at ever more tender ages. Matteo Trentin at 30 and Guillaume Martin at 28 are both experienced enough to have witnessed the stresses and stimuli to which professional cyclists are subjected increase immeasurably, dizzyingly over the past few years. I think professional is just the same stressful as it's always been. We talk a little bit uh, about this with older guys. We all think that the young kids who come to the professional cyclists, they are already professional before even turning professional. So when you live your life as an athlete, when you are like 16, 17, 18, 19 years old, and you already do everything like cardio testing, diet, training camp, altitude, blah, 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 all this kind of thing. Of course, it's four years earlier into your career that you actually live as a professional cyclist and in an age that is maybe not due to be a professional cyclist. So I can understand the feeling of a lot of, a lot of riders being actually over overload of stress. We can see that there are a lot of riders that uh, retire really early and even earlier than uh, Avu. A lot of really young riders are at the burnout the past years. I think it's uh, linked with the, the evolution of uh, cycling. You also see a lot of uh, really younger riders that are become professional uh, just after they turn uh, 18. So that's really young and at the same time yeah, you have a lot of... Uh, pressure around the race but also during the race of course with uh, things more and more nervous we saw it at the beginning of the tour we saw it at that beginning of the, the Vuelta with a lot of uh, crashes unconscious yeah you start thinking uh, why, why am, am I uh, doing that and uh, I can understand the, the position of uh, Arru when I turned professional I probably went in altitude maybe one time and it was more for holiday than for, for training I went to Altitude this year and they were full of uh, young riders from already 15 years old, 16 years old, doing this Altitude camp that is maybe more as like a kind of a play, but it's already 
something like due to performance. They come more, much more ready and we can see from, uh, from the results. But for sure the load of pressure they have is much more than we got in the past. Yeah, that's true that at the moment I, I don't think I will be a professional at the age of uh, Valverde. I think that's an exception and uh, goals also in my, in my life. And this is true that cycling life is really demanding. This year I was away from home uh, a lot of times. So at some point, yeah, you want to relax a bit. For now, I'm enjoying what I'm doing, but uh, I don't know how it will be, uh, to be honest, in a, in a couple of years. Yeah. You, you will come a point to you maybe have to add into every team like a kind of mental coach, but someone who can train your mind. Professional sports like this, we can see in any other sport. Like if you see how hard and how tough is, uh, is also soccer, for example. They, they play much less than we do in terms of time, but in terms of Champions League, uh, Championship and uh, many other tournaments they are in, it's, uh, it's quite tough. The, the thing is, are you ready for this or not? And if you are not, you need to find a way to get ready if you, if you want to do it. You are listening to Kilometer Zero by the Cycling Podcast, powered by Super Sapiens, energy management for committed athletes and coaches. I'm Daniel Holt. I'm the development uh, program manager for Team Nova Nordisk. Uh, I help manage the talent ID camps here. We, we kind of keep an eye on people, uh, riders that are between 15 and I would say 22. Uh, that, that's kind of our, our, our core uh, demographic we're looking for age-wise. Um, the development team, you have to be 19 or older in order to be part of it. We are, we are a continental team with the UCI. And, uh, but we like to get people in our pipeline early. We keep an eye on them. Um, we try to give them some, some training uh, knowledge or, or training specific and some guidance. Um, and sometimes we even get them in touch with our diabetes experts like Charlotte Hayes. Uh, and then we try to groom them a little bit through that and, and teach them as much as we can possibly can so that every single year they come back to the Talent ID camp, we can see a stronger, more capable athlete. We have uh, probably, I would say, three or four riders throughout the, the nine years I've been doing this that the first year they come, you, you it's great to see them there and they're doing great, um, but they have a long way to go. And then you see them the next year and you can see they've made some progress. And then next year they make some progress. And we have uh, one guy on the Devo team this year, uh, Louis Evans, and um, he, he's the perfect example of it. The, three years ago he came to a town ID camp and, and we, we said, oh, he's got a lot of work to do. Um, but he just kept sticking with it, kept training, following the training program, doing as much racing as possible. And then now he's on the Devo team. And not only is he on the Devo team, but he's actually one of our leaders. Uh, after the camp, we, we will take a, about a, a week to kind of compute the numbers. And me and the coaches will, will discuss and, and actually whatever development riders I have here, um, I, I always appreciate their opinions too. And we kind of get together and, and make a judgment call on who, who we, we, we rank them. Um, and we kind of see like who has the potential we, we think right away and, and which ones we are looking at for uh, ranking and considering to inviting to the development team. Jacopo Guarnieri of Groupama FDJ is Aru's compatriot and was also his teammate for three years at Astana. He's therefore well placed to comment on some of the pressures Aru felt, particularly early in his career and on those to which every rider in the pro peloton is now increasingly exposed. 
Nowadays, uh, the races are getting really, really hard. Every race, even the, the smaller one or like the less known one, pretty tough. Doing every season, it's really complicated, especially if you have the pressure to deliver some good results. I mean, it's also good like uh, showing, not that cycling is not everything, but you can have something else to do, you know. I myself also getting closer to the end of my career. Life is not over once you stop cycling. I think many guys are realizing that, yeah, I can do this job, I love this job, but there's a moment you, you need to, to call it the end. The GC contenders have to, to put, a, uh, let's say, more efforts even preparing the, the, the Grand Tours because, uh, yeah, you talk about the weight, but also they do a lot of altitude training. I remember Fabio, for example, he, we were together in Astana and uh, he was spending a lot of time in Tade and uh, so for sure this uh, can lead tiredness that comes earlier than expected or than usual. Cycling isn't easy for anybody. We struggle in the, in the mountain, of course, the, the sprinters, but they have to really be careful on many, many, many things. I was speaking with him the other day, you know, I'm really happy for him. Uh, as you said, he's really smiling, he's really fresh, he's, he's light in his head. So I think he can deliver something even better than if he forced him to, to, to be up there. It's a good choice. What is he doing? He had a good time, he was really successful over his career. Maybe less than some guys were expecting, but if you look overall of his career, it's something really good. 95% of the guys in the peloton couldn't even get closer to that result. He should be proud of what he did, and he should be proud also what he's doing now by retiring and deciding to, to stop his career while going on and maybe not be happy. Cycling's gilded current generation of baby phenoms, the Pogacars, Evanapools, Bernals and Pitcocks, perhaps the lesson to retain from Fabio Adel's career is the mixed blessing of early success. Like countrymen Beppe Saroni and Damiano Cunego before him, Aru created such high expectations that anything other than an era-defining palmarès thereafter was bound to feel and be considered an anticlimax. There is another rider at the Vuelta who has found himself in a similar bind. The South African Louis Meinkes finished 8th in consecutive Tours de France before turning 26, then went 4 years without cracking the top 30 in a 3 week race. Now finally Meinkes seems to be back on form, having finished 14th at this year's Tour. At the time of recording he is also still within sight of the top 10 here at the Vuelta. Last Saturday morning in Santa Pola, Meinkes reflected on the silent struggle which, seen in only two dimensions by outsiders, has looked like the premature waning of a once future star. Uh, I won't say it's a stressful language, but it's a little bit frustrating because uh, people think oh, once you've reached one level, uh, you're automatically always at that level and uh, it comes naturally, you don't have to work for it. But yeah, now I'm not doing the same results as I did uh, four years ago, but I still have to work extremely hard just to get 20th place. It still takes a lot of dedication and uh, hard work, even if you're not performing as good as you maybe did in the past. And uh, yeah, sometimes it's a bit frustrating because uh, people look at you and they're like, oh, what are you doing? You're just wasting your time or not trying. I don't know what they think, but... How much material difference is there in your performance, if any, from, you know, when you finished twice, I think two years in a row you were top 10 in the tour, if I looked at your power files or your physiological data, is it more or less the same now? Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm actually slightly heavier now, but I have uh, better power value, so it's, it's changed a bit 
from uh, four years ago but yeah it also depends because I've, I've seen uh, some races I go to with a form of my life and I struggle to get top 20 and other races I go there and I can feel I didn't prepare properly and I get really good results so it really depends on the field on the day and uh, every race is different so and just lastly on that Chris Froome yesterday I think he put a video out and he talks about like online uh, social media abuse towards riders it strikes me that sometimes it doesn't need to be abuse it can be just people talking about the fact that you're not finishing as high up as you used to and that's that's kind of hurtful like I guess when you know how hard you're working have you had that experience as well just being aware that people are just pointing out not not abusing you not heckling you but just pointing out yeah, I think it's uh, really easy to criticize online and okay, even give your opinions, not trying to be negative, but it comes across that way. And uh, yeah, I don't, I don't think I get it anywhere near to the extent that Aru and Chris got it. But yeah, I certainly got a bit of that. But for me, it, it doesn't really matter. I take the opinion of the people I love and I'm close to and uh, the rest I don't really care too much about. Aru told me at the weekend that he too is producing numbers up there with his best ever. It is the general level of the peloton that has risen, not that his has fallen. One confidant who worked closely with him for years tells me this should be no surprise. Aru's move to UAE in 2018 happened against the backdrop of cycling's new arms race, the scramble for marginal gains, and it was a fight for which Aru showed less appetite than certain others. Moreover, as his goals approached and tension rose, the friend says, he became asphyxiated, defensive and hence unable to respond. But such conjecture isn't new to Fabio Aru and anyway will soon fade into irrelevance. He says he doesn't know, or at least won't say, exactly what he intends to do with his future. For some of the hundreds of thousands of pilgrims who every year walk the Camino de Santiago, enlightenment comes finally when they stand before the magnificent western facade of the Cathedral of Santiago after a journey of several weeks or even months. Fabio Aru's odyssey has been much longer, but will conclude on the same sacred spot a week on Sunday. If not with an epiphany, then at least, we suspect, with contentment and perhaps even a few more tears.